What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Wave Files with Reg West. I am, of course, Reg West. Uh, on today's podcast episode, we have an amazing human being who is saving lives, literally, literally saving lives <laughs> every day. Uh, he is an ER doctor. He is an author. He is a mentor to so many young individuals. Um, listen, I, I could stay here all day, but let me just bring him in. Ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. this is my good friend, Dr. Samson Davis. Good morning. Good afternoon. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm well. I'm well, Reg. Thanks for uh, for putting putting together a platform such as this, and, and thanks for having me. No, man, thank you. I I, I put on I put on my Heathcliff sweater for you today. My Heathcliff <laughs> Huxtable sweater. You know, make sure make sure I'm in, I'm in doctor mode with you today. Um. That's it, man. <laughs> I, and I and I just changed. Literally, I just got back from the hospital. I just took my scrub top off. So, oh, <laughs> uh, listen, some somebody is in character today. I'm I'm the yeah. one, I guess. Um. So so. Uh, let's 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 start with what's going on. I mean, I, I I hear you talk about this all the time on on the varied platforms, but can you talk to us how we're doing right now with COVID, um, with the vaccines yeah. being 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 sent out, um, with certain people wanting to take them, not wanting to take them, and have you taken yours yet? So yeah, I mean, uh, very good point. We we have been through a whirlwind with COVID this year. I think we've all been sort of. Uh, humbled by what has happened. Some of us have lost friends, loved ones. Uh, I lost my brother to the virus as well. So I've seen oh. it from a personal level and I've experienced it from you know a patient level. I had colleagues, uh, two colleagues that I work closely with uh, succumb to the virus and, uh, and patients, patients that I take care of. So it's been a whirlwind uh, with this virus, over 300,000 deaths you know, for the, for the country here. And, uh, and the numbers will grow um, because we're at the holiday time of the year where it's almost impossible not to come together in some sort of gathering of celebration for Christmas, Hanukkah, um, Kwanzaa, you name it, and New Year's. So it's, it's difficult to sort of continue to practice the, the number one offense, which is defense, which is the face mask and the social distancing and the uh, hand washing. Um, so, but I do, well, with that said, this vaccine seems to be everything, everything that it, that you could dream of is with 94, 95% efficacy rate for Moderna and Pfizer vaccine. I mean, you're talking about, this is, this is a blessing beyond any scope of imagination. It's way more than any one of us could have wished for or hoped for to have a vaccine so effective. Uh, and that will start to roll out at the end of, uh, 2000 and, 20 and into the year of 2021, uh, the hope is to have a great majority of us vaccinated by mid-year of 2021, um, where we can start to see a decrease in the number of people with the virus, and we can start to achieve herd immunity. I am currently in line to receive the vaccine. I haven't received it yet, but I'm in line as a tier system, meaning that you have to sign up and then it's randomly selected every fifth person. And we do it that way because we don't want any one department to have everyone who's received the vaccine just God forbid it is any sort of right. uh, side effects, and then that right. whole department is shut down, and we can't have that happen. We still have to keep our essential first line responders uh, on the first on the front lines, rather essential front line because we have to still keep on the front line. And so we're trying to be very smart in the way that we administer the vaccine as well as to monitor if there's any side effects that uh, beyond the what we would expect some side effects to be with a vaccination. 
Well, first and foremost, I, I want to send my condolences. I, I I didn't know your brother passed. Um, I I, I I'm so so sorry to hear that, bro. Um, sec secondly, uh, I I do understand the the uh, way the administration is moving to administer uh, the vaccines. It, it it does make sense. Um, I've I've heard of side side effects in people already happening, but doesn't that happen with any vaccine? Yeah, so good point. And, and thank you for your words, uh, the condolences. I appreciate that, Reg. And, and with any uh, vaccination, you expect side effects. And so there's different vaccines in the sense that the, the two major differences are live vaccines and attenuated or sort of uh, um, ones that's made on a, uh, on a lab bench top with genetic coding and things of that nature. So this is more of a genetic coding. The live vaccinations are ones that we take actually a real piece of the virus itself and inject it into a human being with the hope that they're going to mount an immune response this here is a genetic made not live vaccination which is great uh, because you cannot get coronavirus from the vaccine itself so you will get uh you would your body will produce some sort of reaction towards the proteins which is the molecular shape of the virus and develop antibodies against that that uh, that virus that way, so that you can always be protective uh, from the uh, from the virus itself. So, side effects you expect most likely is usually just immune reaction. I Meaning your body is reacting, so you may see some soreness at the injection site, some body aches. You may have a mild temperature, fever. There's been some reports, you know, unfortunately, of some people having a Bell's palsy, and Bell's palsy kind of presents like a stroke, but it only involves a portion of your face that sags and pulls itself down. Now, Bell's palsy tend to be transient and not permanent. It doesn't last, uh, it's not, it doesn't have a chronic permanent uh, outcome, but unfortunately that is a pretty significant side effect. It's only been reported in a very small numbers. And, and so what we do in medicine is does the good outweigh the bad, meaning like does this sort of bad situation is it so huge that the good is outweighed? And in this case, so far, that's not the situation that the good of having antibodies against this virus is far more the outcome with far less side effects than been reported on a whole number that we still feel comfortable with for administering the vaccination to Americans. That's amazing. So so now with the Bell's palsy, you, you, you mentioned that it's it's uh, it's temporary and, and treatable. It's usually temporary. I mean, there's different levels of it. So meaning that some people get it and recover right away. Sometimes you have to, the severe cases that I've seen, because uh, Bell's palsy is common uh, outside of this vaccination. I see Bell's palsy in patients pretty often in the emergency department. Uh -huh. So it's pretty common, but usually it's, it's this over time you use steroids and in severe cases, you have to go to physical therapy to sort of kind of re- train that that muscle and that nerve to sort of get back to a sense of normal but for the most part and most often bell's palsy is never considered to be chronic there may be some sort of lingering impacts impact of it but usually it resolves on its own i understand so so even still uh this shouldn't uh prevent people from wanting to take the vaccine is, is, is the point i'm getting to yeah no it shouldn't prevent people from wanting to take the vaccine i think there's going to be uh, skeptics out there, uh, and that's appropriately so. I mean, America has done a poor job in uh, in, 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 in study options sometimes, making some Americans not feel welcome and or, or using them without their 
permission to uh, see how certain disease processes work. So I know there's going to be some skepticism out there with some individuals, but so far, believe me, I'm monitoring it as well, and I'm watching the numbers closely. I'm reading every article that I could get my hand on just to see what's happening, how many people have been vaccinated. Uh, I mean, Moderna this week is anticipating vaccinating 6 million people uh, this week. So if we reach um, um, numbers like millions of people um, by, you know, the beginning of the year, we should be in double digits of millions of people who's received the vaccination. And therefore, we can report closely what side effects, if any, are, are significant enough that we should be concerned. And so we'll see how that plays out the first quarter of 2021. Now, with, with 2021 uh, here, uh, is there a uptick in your particular ER room as, as far as COVID cases or is a second wave here in, 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 your, in your facility? Yeah, you know, we're seeing increased numbers in the Northeast, and uh, but they're more significant in the Midwest and on the West Coast. I mean, the West Coast is reporting no ICU beds. Uh, wow. And the same impact has happened in the Midwest. In the Northeast, we were really slammed. Uh, in the beginning of this uh, of this uh, virus, we really were the quintessential hot spot. You know, we were it uh, to to sort of see how impactful the virus was on us. And now, so we we are seeing a second wave here in the Northeast. But interestingly enough, I'm seeing more patients but less hospitalizations in the sense that mm -hmm. the numbers have increased with the hospitalizations. But compared to the amount of people that I was seeing before, a lot of people were being hospitalized. Now seeing less. But with that said, I don't want to be misleading. Uh, we are seeing 3,000, well over 3,000 deaths a day. That's more than uh, more individuals dying from this virus than that perished, unfortunately, in the World Trade Center. And so we're seeing those type of numbers historically play out day in and day out. And so the the challenge is that we are just past the major holidays, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, um, New Year's and Hanukkah and, 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 and uh, Kwanzaa, just major celebrations that took place that it was, it's like not all of us did not gather, you know, a great majority of us still came together to celebrate. So, and what this virus have done is trail behind those gatherings. We're seeing a spike now that's going to play out until, you know, again, until the great majority of us have been vaccinated and until we get past, you know, weeks past the, or months past rather the, the uh, the holiday celebrations that took part during the winter time. I got you. Um, shift, shifting gears just just slightly. I, I I know you're extremely busy in the ER, but I also know that you're extremely busy with being a mentor uh, to a, a, a variety of individuals. Can you can you speak on your your mentorship program just 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 a bit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm you know I'm one of the three doctors. Uh, you may or may not heard of us, but. Uh, we made this pact, uh, a conventional pact, when we were high school students and and growing up in Newark, New Jersey, to become doctors. And and we plowed through the years of school together as as friends, best friends, as as college together, as brothers, and and medical and dental school together as uh, as brothers. And we graduated. Uh, our story made a, a feature in, in in the hometown paper, the Star Ledger, on the front page, and it started off. With the, it, it sort of was entitled "The Start of Something Big." And uh, from there, our story snowballed, and we uh, went on to write a book called The Pact, uh, The Bond, and I wrote several books, uh, Living and Dying in Brick City, and then the stuff with uh, Charlie Jeter. And uh, so we became authors, and then immediately we formed a foundation called the Three Doctors Foundation, which is geared on health and mentorship. And, uh, and so we just felt the need to right away 
help mentor uh, other students, especially particular students of color to let them know that it's possible. Growing up, there was a lack of, and still is, of black professionals and brown professionals who look like me, who's from similar neighborhoods such as I am, who carries himself with the same sort of swagger as I do. So to have- He's got some, he got some me, swagger, people. He's got some <laughs> swagger, all right? Let's, let's, let's be clear, let's be clear. To, 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 <laughs> to have, you know, to have that reg to, to emulate and to model out this key because it gives belief, it gives confidence that that's possible. And uh, and most recently, I'm, I'm taking part with uh, Dr. Oz. Uh, he has a campaign called More Black Doctors. Uh, campaign and I took part in a webinar. I'm, I'm a part of the committee who select the students that give out scholarships of ten thousand dollars to uh, deserving medical students who uh, who've uh, shared their stories. And I can tell you, I've read a, a few uh, articles, a few essays by these medical students. And I mean, it's so. I mean, it's impossible to choose one person as a winner. All the stories are touching. All the stories are about overcoming hardships and obstacles. And so, it just furthers my confidence that. All of us have the capability of doing whatever we want to do in life, and it's not going to be easy for some of us, but we just got to plow through. That's not an excuse uh, that you can't get through it, but having representation through mentorship, it shows that this is somebody, as a mentor, your mentee could feel a sense of like, this is a person I connect with. This is somebody that sees something in me that I didn't see myself or that they didn't see in themselves when they were my age. So I think having that energy, that sort of connect transference of energy helps to inspire and, and to model, and, and there's really no profession out there that we uh, African-Americans are not underrepresented in professionally. And so we just gotta continuously make sure that we're leading the charge to sort of shape what our professions look like and to know that people of color can reach those heights as well. And I appreciate you touching on that. So uh, the, the reason I, I, I jokingly started with, I'm wearing a Heathcliff Huxtable sweater, but but to, to, but but to be honest, it, you you hit the, the the nail on the head. As a kid, there was no other black doctors on TV that I can recall. And yeah. I and and we, I mean, people in general are a product of what they see. You know, um, uh, so for you and and your and your and your brothers with the three doctors, what you're doing is is so key because look, like I I remember having uh, when I was in. First grade, Al Roker came to my school and told us about the weather. But I'm like, that's nice, but I need somebody around consistently to right. teach me about these other opportunities that I don't see on TV. Because all I see on TV are basketball players and rappers. I don't see I don't see that many doctors on TV. I don't see. I mean, if 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 you want to even branch it out, uh, hairdressers, uh, technicians scientists all these things weren't really represented to us visually and for most of us in our communities we didn't know these people um our doctor was 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 white our construction construction workers were white so it's good to visually see and have a long standing relationship with people that look like you so you can have a better understanding of what you could possibly be growing up yeah yeah i couldn't agree more with you i tell you i just even things now that I uh, stumble upon, like, oh, I could, I could, you know, be a part of a hedge fund, like, I didn't, right? Know, I, I didn't even know, I didn't know what a hedge fund was when I was a kid. <laughs> right. So you like, you know, like the biggest thing you aim for was like maybe I could work for the bank and be a bank teller, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you never thought beyond 
your 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 sights and your limits and how could you if you because you can't aim for what you can't see and so even like cosby is i know he's come under scrutiny uh appropriately so but his show historically is, did so much um for for uh youth growing up especially those challenging um disenfranchised communities so i know for for me it was great to see him on television and to see his family and to see how a black family interacted and engaged and you know everything from all the actors and actresses in the show so it, it it definitely was a it was something that i looked to for inspiration but still to your point didn't give us a, a complete clarity and definition because that was television this wasn't every day neighborhood situations and so you know with the mentoring program now that i'm a part of you know the hope is to touch on every life as possible in every community and it's not about any one particular individual it's just about a group of collective professionals working together to make sure that we're doing our part to shape the minds and the possibilities of tomorrow's generation and that's it that's all we can do at the end of the day. We we can we have to give back because we've 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 learned so much in, in our errors and, and growth that it's it's necessary to to teach them the stuff. Speaking of the stuff, <laughs> you 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 are a author, uh uh four books, sir? Four books? Am I am I correct with yeah, that? Yeah, uh uh five, five, yeah, five books. Yeah. Excuse me. Okay, so 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 the 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 latest was a book called "The Stuff" that you co-wrote with Charlie Jeter, and previous yeah. to that uh, was the book with the three uh, the, the three doctors book. Am I am I correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. Correct. So yeah. so uh, mm -hmm. now go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. So no, yeah, five books just to kind of give a little sort of backdrop of them and flavor for them. Uh, one, well. The first one called The Pact, and that's the story of me and my two brothers, uh, Ramik and George, and us making this promise to become doctors and then sort of chronicle our struggle to get to that sort of that journey to get there. And, and the first one we were going to write this book when we were approached to do it, this is coming off the heels of the Oprah show and boards. And uh, they were like, oh, we're going to write a book. And, you know, you thought that was going to be this book, this dynamic book about how great things were in your life. And it was far from that. Of course, the publishers, rightfully so, we had to put together some of the more challenging struggles that we had. Um, and it, it, it took off. The book became a New York Times bestseller, uh, evergreen book. And, you know, some uh, 20 years later, the book still sells very well and performs very well. And it feels great to be sort of in that conversation with a lot of students who said this book made a difference in my life. It's the first book I read cover to cover. And it reminds me of my youth and me reading books like Malcolm X and feeling that same sort of inspiration and vigor towards reading because I read something that finally connected to me, that spoke to me in a way that no other book had did before. And that's what the pack has done for so many out there. We're just blessed to be a part of that. You know, when you start to do a project, as you know, you don't know how it's going to end. You don't know how it's going to shape. You have visions of what it can possibly be. But it's a huge blessing. I never thought this book would have transcended so many lives. And I think the reason why is because it's relatable. It's a relatable read. Like people see their sense of, of hardships and struggle and it humanizes the situation. Like, okay, I'm not alone. Like I remember so many times being in medical school and going through a hardship or a struggle and felt like, like I was an alien of some sort because I felt like I was the only person experiencing that. And it's just so reassuring when you know you're not alone in this battle and this and this sort of challenge that you're facing and, uh, and someone else has done it, went through it, 
and Cayman. So then you say to yourself, man, if they can do it, I can do it too. And I think that's what the pack offers is sort of kind of medicine in its own in its in its own way and, and healing and sort of helping to promote um possibilities out of improbabilities. And uh and so from the pack did a book called We Beat the Street, which was a youth adolescent version of the pack uh that many fourth graders, fifth graders read and that became a New York Times bestseller as well. Um, a similar story, just kind of adapted into a youth format uh, for the younger reading audience. And then from there, we did a book called The Bond. And The Bond is about each one of us grew up without our dads. And there were different stages. Like one of us had dad in the house for a few years. One of us never knew our dad. One of us, our dad was in and out of jail. So to kind of come and share our thoughts about the importance of fatherhood and how that shapes a young, a young person's life was important to us. So we wrote a chapter about the lack of dad not being there. And then our dads had an opportunity to write their rebuttal chapter about what they were going through and what they were experiencing. And then what we noticed through this is that one, we were able to heal, but we also saw that fatherlessness, especially in our community, was something that was generational. And uh, and that in order for us to sort of break the chains of this generational cycle of fatherlessness, we have to be accountable and attainable uh, to our children, but we have to also show fathers how to be, because my dad grew up without his dad, and same for Ramik and same for George. So it was the cycle kept repeating itself over and over again. But through that book project, we were able to understand our dad's story and, and humanize their situation and also helped us to develop a, a tighter bond with them and allowed us to forgive, to forgive our dads. And so you know, it allows us now as we move uh, a little bit of an older age now to be fathers <laughs> to our children in a more, you know, effective, impactful way of uh, being there for our children. And that's the bond. Beautiful. And, um, the, and then we move from, from, from the bond uh, to, okay. Then from the bond, then I did a book called Living and Dying in Brick City, uh, inner city, uh, stories from an inner city ER. And that's, that was my attempt at sort of dealing with some of the public health issues, uh, gun violence in our community, um, um, high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, the overpopulation of, of these medical ailments that's, that disproportionately affects the black and brown communities more. And so I did this book, uh, Living and Dying in Brick City, in a dramatization format um, that tells the kind of real and raw things that I see in the ER that present that came through my front door and how I was connected to them, not only on a professional level, but a personal level. And so I did that book a few years ago and it's been, uh, it's, it's been an interesting journey. It did, it, it's, it's a good read. A lot of healthcare professionals uh, read the book and, uh, and it was recently picked up by stars to be turned into a TV series. And um, just with so much happened with COVID. Well, so much. It's it's a pause now, unfortunately. With so much happening with happening with COVID, they had to sort of put a pause on it now, and so now it's back in the shopping arena. But just to think that it's it's a project that can, that you know, still has the potential to be brought to to the television screen is important. The same with the pack. We still have had some efforts to make the pack into a a movie and now into a TV series. We're just trying to find that right deal on right sort of agenda to get the um the the, the uh, pack into a tv show itself and then the last project outside of living in dining <laughs> brick city the book i i did uh, not too long ago with our good friend um and sister uh charlie jeter uh and and, and charlie jeter many of you guys know she runs the turn two foundation she's the brother of new york great uh Derek jeter she's a 
phenomenal leader in, in the uh, sector of philanthropy, which turned to foundation, do a tremendous amount of work in the community and giving back and shaping the minds of young uh, students. And uh, what I like about that is that they do a lot of peer, with peer mentoring. They use a lot of, they have a lot of their um, mentees that's a part of their program, mentor other youth. So you have a high school senior mentoring a ninth grade. And I think that's just phenomenal because no one's more relatable and connect to each other more than a 12th grade to a ninth grader, way more than I could with a ninth or a 12th grader uh, at this point in my life. So, and with the stuff, uh, the, the book is uh, her, Charlie and I was interested on in trying to figure out like what makes a person want to pursue and not give up? What is it, what is the magic like? like and, if, and if we can find the magic, is, is this something that we have to go buy or is this something that we all have and how do we tap into it if we haven't and how do some people, display it and others don't display it and so we started out kind of with the hypothesis of trying to figure out what is the magic and how do we sort of obtain it and what we realize is that we all have these 11 elements these 11 attributes and these are ironclad attributes that help you overcome any challenge or any uh, situation that you're facing in life we spoke to over 40 50 different people who's overcome tremendous hardships everything from financial ruin to medical issues being one guy was burnt over 90% of his body and given 100% mortality rate. Uh, we had a family whose who's, um, son, I mean, these are just real rich stories of, of individuals, real life stories. Uh, who We had a uh, family whose child was diagnosed with a genetic condition with, with uh, imminent death, like guaranteed by a certain age and the family would not allow that the sort of last answer. So they put together um, um, genetic research uh, to develop a, a, a sort of genetic code or genetic gene uh, study that they did. Um, and certainly enough, they raised the funds. They they did the study and the child received the uh, received the medication. And so far, the child is uh, is surviving, is thriving. Uh, it's not 100% sort of, she's not functioning as a everyday you and I, but she's doing way better and survived, more importantly, and thriving. Uh, more importantly, so so again, this the, the stuff is these uh, eleven attributes that we've sort of teased out that we all have to overcome and to deal with any obstacle or challenge that you, you that you face. It's just simple things like surround yourself with like-minded people and and um and develop your your mantra. Like it's, it's these uh, and we share stories to give it to make it dynamic and to give it texture so that you can say, okay. This is what it looks like when I surround myself with a team. This is what it looks like when I say forge my motivation no statement. So the, the uh, stuff was something that was dear to her and I, and and uh, fortunately we were able to share it with the rest of you, and hopefully you have an opportunity to read it and and enjoy it. I can I can co-sign that book, ladies and gentlemen. I I've enjoyed that book. It's a it's a good book. You should go pick it up. <laughs> how's your How's your mental health? Let me ask you that. You know, I, I do a lot of things now to take care of my mental health that I never did before. And uh, so what do I mean by that? Before I used to like, oh, you know, I'm just going to sort of just zone out and, and kind of um, uh, and, and directly just sort of hope that I was better. <laughs> like I was just, you know, kind of pursue an activity in a moment. But now I have to be not inactive in that pursuit. I have to be actively pursuing ways to sort of keep my mental health in shape. And so the way the way that I do that is I, I go to therapy, I I exercise, I meditate, 
I uh, use positive mantras and chants. I keep a, a book, a uh, notebook where I write down just positive affirmations. Um, and, uh, and, you know, those four or five techniques are extremely important in making sure that you stay on top of your mental health. Is You got to think of your mental health, in my opinion, like your physical health in a way, because if you had high blood pressure, you'd be taking high blood pressure medication, you'd be you change your diet, you right. change the way that you eat, you know, in the way right. that you exercise. So right. the same with mental health. And I think therapy is important. I think having a soundboard to talk to, I think, um, you know, meditation is important. I think, you're, you know, religious, you can use your, you have your clergy, you have pastor, you got to have an active sort of format and making sure that you always checking in to make, make, to ensure your mental health is on point. And that is well balanced, and that you're not doing things to cause yourself more harm. And uh, and there's no more important time than right now, as we all deal with this pandemic and and sort of this COVID fever we have, and just sort of sitting idle and not able to see one another, and then losing loved ones unexpectedly. It's been a tough year for all of us. Well, I I, I wanted to close on that note because a lot of people don't think uh, therapy is is uh, is cool. I know it's cool. Everybody, please take care of your mental health. But because before you can, like like Doctor said, before you can take care of your physical health, you got to make sure your mental health is is good. You, you, we we we're we're going through a really tough time, and you heard it from our doctor, Doctor Davis. I know you got to get going, but um, b before you do, um, I just want to want to want to say thank you for for taking your time. I want to thank say thank you for the work you do in the ER every day because I know it's going crazy right now still. Um. Uh, where where can they find you, Doc, Doc, Dr. Davis, um, uh, on social yeah. media and whatnot, please? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I still do a great deal of, uh, I'm on social media. So it's, I, I do a great deal of stuff on social media. I'm, I'm all, I do a lot of television as well. I do a lot of uh, appearances on Dr. Oz addressing medical issues. And I travel the country when we were traveling, speaking at different venues. Now I do a lot of virtual conferences. But you can always reach out to me on social media. The handle is all the same. It's at Dr. Sampson S A M P S O N Davis D A V I S. So at Dr. Sampson Davis, and uh, that's on all my social media handles. And my website is the same, drsampsondavis.com. Dr. Sampson Davis, again, thank you so much for your time. We will see you on Dr. Oz and every other platform you're on right now. <laughs> I'm going to take this itchy sweater <laughs> off. This sweater is itchy. I'm out of here. <laughs> Wave files. Thank you, people. Good night.